It will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared. Passing o'er the world shore to shore, the wind, the fury again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is an episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swansong and the Parada Isle. Episode 12. The next day, Phineas came into the cabin to check on John. How are you feeling? he asked. Much better, said John. Though I've still got a headache. Aye, that's to be expected, John, Phineas said. He closed the door and looked to make sure they were alone. What you did in the harbor, what I did too would have killed most paratas. Those weavings were not meant to be dealt out with such ferocity. I helped channel the power from you. You could never have done that alone, and that's why you were unconscious for so long. It was risky, but there was no choice. I didn't have enough strength left to do it without you. I've got a bit of a headache still myself. You see, the ways of parada are tied to our wills and our emotions as well as the conjuring of elements. The power we paratas wield is a thing of balance. For every action, there's a reaction. For every weaving, a consequence. John wrinkled his brow in thought. So, every time you do magic, it hurts you? Ha! Well, in a sense, yes. And in another sense, no. Come with me. In the old days, a parada's training would be a process that spanned many years. Alas, time is not on our side. Phineas stepped back outside and John followed. They went up to the deck overlooking the darkened Escondo. Phineas pointed at a low-hanging cloud. Could you move that cloud? John laughed. When he saw that Phineas was serious, John cleared his throat and said, No. Why? Because it's out of reach. Could the wind move it? Yes. Is the wind already moving it? John didn't know how to answer that, so he shrugged. Well, what is the wind? Phineas asked as he began to pace by the heartwood railing. It's, um, what do you mean? It's just the wind. It's the air that's moving. John didn't know where this was going. If the wind is air that's moving, what is the air that's not? Or could it be that they are the same? Could the wind simply be the air, sometimes moving much and sometimes still? John had never thought about it like that. I guess so. Phineas kept walking back and forth as he quizzed John. Okay, so if the wind is just another name for air, and we both know that it sometimes moves quickly and sometimes slowly, wouldn't it be fair to say that the wind is already moving the cloud, even though you can't see it right this moment. John began to nod again. It did actually make a little bit of sense. And if the wind is already moving the cloud, then getting it to move more so that we could actually see it moving would just be a matter of adjusting the wind. Phineas stopped walking and looked at John. John stopped nodding and frowned at Phineas. Well, yeah, if you knew how. Which I'm guessing you do, but I don't. If the wind is all around us, John, then I can reach out and physically touch the wind, the air, in front of me. Phineas reached out his hand and waved it in the air around his head. And if this wind is part of the wind that moves the cloud, 
Then aren't I touching a part of it as well? Sure, but you're just sticking your hand out. I can't just wave my hand around and move the clouds. That's magic. Haven't you already seen it at work, John? Haven't you already done magic? What makes this any different? I didn't know what I was doing, though. It just happened when I touched the wheel. And you're saying you channeled it through me. Yes, yes, you didn't realize what you were doing. But because you are a parada and have the potential to call on the wind, you were, fortunately for us all, able to bend the wind to your will. I summoned the wind? You did. And although it's a little trickier here and now with doubts feeling your mind, you can summon it again. Phineas turned back to the sea and held out his hands toward the cloud. As John watched, Phineas spoke a word and the cloud was sucked towards the ship like a bolt of lightning. John ducked instinctively as the cloud passed over him. Wow, John said. The clouds will be an easier place to start your training, because they are mostly air. The water in them lets you see them and helps you give your mind something to aim for. And the water is filled with air as well. The real trick is bending the wind. It's not easy at first, because your mind tells you that the cloud is all the way over there. But with a little practice, it becomes second nature. Why don't you give it a try? Phineas beckoned for John to come to the bow. John held out his arms, mimicking how he'd seen Phineas do it, and drew a deep breath. He tried to clear his mind of everything except for a small wisp of cloud near where the one Phineas moved had been. He raised his arms higher, and then remembered the mutterings he'd heard Phineas utter. What are the words? he said, turning to face Phineas again. Phineas smiled. I was wondering if you had figured that out all on your own. My words will be different from yours. Every parada has their own frontela, that is, their own woven words. Frontela are used as a directing force to both clear the mind and enable oneself to reach out at whatever it is we are reaching toward. For myself, I like to use bits of gibberish that have no other meaning, followed by the name of what it is I'm reaching toward. So you made up the words. They aren't magic? John was a bit disappointed. What is more magical, John? The words that cause the weavings, or the weavings themselves? The cadence of an incantation exists solely to funnel the innate power of the parada. The stories would have us all believe that if one were to learn the proper phrases and names of things, we would all be suddenly able to perform magic. This is true only in tales. Real weavings are limited, so far as I know, to those of the Parada bloodline. What about the Tainted One? John asked. He uses a different form of magic, a darker, more seductive one. Phineas looked as though he were going to continue, but instead said, We're getting off track. Just know this. I will teach you what I know which is much, but it isn't everything. There is much magic in the world. He motioned for John to resume his pose at the bow. Clear your mind and focus only on the cloud. Think of nothing but it, and then whisper the first word that comes to your mind. It can be a real word or something made up. Just make it simple for your first frontela. The easier it is to say and concentrate on, the quicker you will learn. Phineas stood back again, and John raised his hands. He looked at the cloud, then closed his eyes. He tried to clear his mind of everything, but found that he couldn't. 
He kept thinking about Parada Isle, and then Labrie, and his pa, and the attack in the harbor, and the fire workings that Phineas had performed. John opened his eyes and stared intently at the cloud. With every ounce of energy he could muster, he thought only of it, pretending that he was back on Labrie and climbing on one of Mount Bowden's treacherous rock faces that he and Rat loved to visit. When they did so, one misstep could spell disaster. It was the best example of concentration he could think of. He looked at and through the cloud, as though it were a handhold that he was destined to grasp. He went through a list of words in his mind, trying to decide what his first frontela would be. Clortu cloud, he whispered at last, while pulling his hands in towards his chest as though the cloud were on a long rope. To his joy and amazement, the cloud drifted toward the boat traveling perhaps thirty yards before stopping and beginning to dissipate. "'Well done, John!' Phineas exclaimed. "'I've never seen anyone manage such a large weaving on their first attempt.' Phineas was clearly very excited, and he continued talking as if to himself as he patted John on the back. "'Perhaps Kayette was right,' he trailed off as he realized that he was thinking out loud. "'Right about what?' John asked. Uh, "'Nothing,' Phineas said hurriedly. Now, come on. Your first weaving is a wonderful milestone, but it's going to take a lot of practice to really get it down. The cloud only made it halfway here, after all, in case you didn't notice. Phineas grinned at him. He was clearly proud of John. They spent the rest of that afternoon practicing weavings, which John found to be mostly concerned with practicing concentrating. For every one time he moved a cloud, there were three or four others when nothing happened. This was made all the worse by the frustrations that came from defeat. The more times that nothing happened, the more his concentration broke until the next successful weaving. You must learn to administer patience and concentration on demand, Phineas instructed. Success should no more enhance your weavings than failure should detract from them. Patience breeds consistency. You must be consistent. By the end of the day, John had all but mastered the ability to direct the clouds. At least the ones he could see, that is. He'd also managed to call up a spoonful of water from the ocean. He was not very impressed by the small droplets that he got to shower down on Phineas and himself. He expected to be able to move much larger bodies of water. It was simply too hard. But Phineas was ecstatic when John called forth the first small bit of water from the ocean. John's frantela for that was tadente, because it made him think of the tide when he closed his eyes. He could concentrate on the rolling waves on the beaches of Labrie. John asked several times about fire as he remembered the fantastical flames that Phineas had called down. But Phineas said it would be some time before John would have the strength to summon fire. When they were finished, they joined Rat, Sarah, and Abram in the cabin for supper. Rat and Sarah had washed on and off throughout the day, and while Sarah was visibly impressed, it was clear that Rat was a bit jealous. John didn't mind, though. He was too busy thinking of different frontelas for different workings that he could start practicing the next day. He wanted to call the wind into the sails of the jasmine. He wanted to calm the waves when they swelled too big. He wanted to learn how to summon fire like he'd seen Phineas do back in Labrie's Harbor. He knew Phineas wouldn't teach him about this last bit yet, but he couldn't help but want it. After dinner, Rat and Sarah began to set up a game of tents, 
but John had a few questions to ask Phineas before he joined his friends. He followed Phineas out onto the deck and asked, Phineas? Yes, brother, Phineas replied without turning. That caught John off guard. He was still not used to the fact that he had a brother, that he had a real family. Well, I was wondering, what made me black out after my first working in the harbor? I feel fine right now, and I've been practicing magic all day. I thought you might ask that. Phineas was never caught off guard by any of John's questions. I am surprised that you don't even have a slight headache after our day's work today. Most of the time, a newly trained parada will get them in varying degrees when first learning to do weavings. It's because it takes such concentration. It takes connecting oneself to the air, to the wind, to the clouds, to the water, to the elements. These are actions not to be taken lightly. We bind ourselves to another force, and so exert both mental and physical energy to do so. That's why you had so much trouble calling more than a few drops of water on yourself at once. Phineas finally turned and faced John. I've been performing weavings for my whole life, and with much practice comes much concentration and an ease of the art. I, unlike you, am very used to tapping into the source, but even for me, great weavings exhume every bit of my will to perform. That is why I, like you, completely exhausted my powers that day. Had I tried to perform any other weavings, I would have risked injury or even death. The only difference is that I knew what I was doing and knew my limits. You tapped into the source against your will and with only my guidance to control the power, without knowing what was happening. Only a parada would be capable of such a thing, and it almost killed you. Do you mean the source wind? John asked. His interest was piqued when Phineas mentioned it again. I do, though perhaps not in the way you imagine it, Phineas said. Seeing confusion settle back on John's face, he continued, What is the source wind, John? Do you think of it as a particularly strong wind that covers the face of the ocean, appearing here and there with magical powers? Or is it more of an idea that has been passed down in legend? Do any of the legends actually say anything resolute about it? Every tale that I've ever listened to mentions it only once, at the end. And the source wind passed over the face of the waters and continued to protect the kingdom. Or something along those lines, depending on who's doing the telling. John was nodding his head in agreement. He never thought about it before, but now that Phineas mentioned it, even though the source wind was held in high esteem and mystic lore, none of the stories he'd ever heard had ever really said much of anything about what or where it really was. Except for Goth, that is. Well, there is someone on Labrie who used to talk about the Sorkswind actually being on Parada Isle. But no one really takes him seriously lately. Phineas smiled. Do you? John considered the question. I'm not sure. I guess I want to think of it as being real. But that's hard to believe. In all the stories, it talks about the Sorkswind keeping everything in balance and safe. But here in the real world, it's just a big mess. The further you get from Labrie or Dental, the worse it gets. There doesn't seem to be any balance. You're right. 
There is little balance to be had these days, and there may be littler balance yet to come. And your friend on the Brie is more right than you know. The source wind is tempered on Parada Isle. That was the tainted one's sole target on the day of a thousand storms. He sought to destroy the source wind and to free himself from exile. You see, the source wind keeps him in Exeter. He failed then, but only in part. The darkness that spreads is proof of what remains of the source wind will not hold forever. It's being clawed away at even now, and has been for all these years. Most of the talk in the cities ignores the simple truth that unless the source wind is restored, the tainted one will soon wage an all-out war on the world of men. That's why we've got to stop him. That's why we're headed to Barada Isle. Now that we are reunited, we can restore the source wind and prevent him from escaping his banishment. It took John a moment after Phineas stopped talking to realize that his mouth was hanging open. Restore the source wind? Banish the tainted one? Rescue the world? John knew he was in over his head ever since being chased by the Tidewalkers on the Brie. But this was a harder fact to swallow. Is it even possible? he asked. Anything is possible, John, Phineas replied curtly. But John thought that for the first time since he'd been reunited with his Parada brother, he spotted doubt in his usually resilient eyes. Thank you.